Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Dan Brule. Dan is a modern day teacher and healer. He is a world-renowned pioneer in the field of breathwork. He's also a leader of the worldwide spiritual breathing movement. Dan trains people to use the power of breath and breathing to relax and energize their body, focus and expand their mind, calm and balance their emotions, and nourish and uplift their soul. He is the author of several books, including Just Breathe, Mastering Breathwork for Success in Life, Love, Business, and Beyond. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into the work that you do, especially breath work? Yeah, well, um, uh, in the U- in the Navy, I was a deep sea diver and a uh, medical rescue specialist, so I was into breathing. And uh, before that, I was an x-ray technician at Boston City Hospital and New England Medical Center, where I uh, had an opportunity to resuscitate people, did CPR. And I'll tell you, the first time that I revived somebody, it was a miracle. You know, you come upon somebody who's clinically dead and you blow into them and they wake up and blink. I was totally hooked on the on the magic, you know, the miracle of breath. And then I just took it into the military and I, I taught uh, uh, resuscitation and so on. And then I traveled through India and China. When I got out of the military, I went off into Eastern searches of, you know, ancient breathing practices. And so I've been Westernizing them uh, ever since. What, what are some of the things that you learned while, while discovering some of these Eastern approaches to breathing? Well, and I'm glad the, the science and the medicine is catching up on what the ancient yogis and Taoists have been preaching for, for you know, decades, eons. And uh, that is through through conscious breathing, we can um, we can get a handle on so-called involuntary functions, blood pressure, skin temperature, heart rate. You can hack into the immune system uh, through the breathing, through conscious breathing, and various breathing techniques and ex- and exercises can. Um, well, you get a, it's for emotional state management, mental state management, uh, arousal control, situational awareness. And so, you know, breathing is used to uh, raise energy. People who work in high stakes, life and death situations, they're trained to breathe. And for me, the average person deserves that same advantage because the same extraordinary abilities and amazing states that these ancient warriors and saints and gurus and masters reached, those same states can be reached by the average person through a a conscious breathing practice. Sounds absolutely amazing. Can you explain to explain to listeners what breathwork is? Because there's a lot of people I don't think who, who understand. It's the new yoga. It's meditation for people who can't meditate. <laughs> um, it's the art and the science of, of well, it has two aspects, breath awareness and conscious breathing. And breath awareness is basically a mindfulness practice. So you're using the breath to uh, become more mindful, more conscious, more aware, more present, uh, more in tune, more connected, more in touch with the present moment. And conscious breathing, it's a way of regulating your breath in such a way that you can regulate your chemistry. Uh, You can uh, take over so-called, you know, autonomic nervous system uh, operations. You can tweak your your pH balance. You can uh, can warm yourself up. You can cool yourself off. You can charge yourself with energy when you need it. You can quickly recover from pain and... uh, uh, for stress management and anxiety and panic control and pain control and so on. So it's, you know, it's a powerful tool. We all have it. Most people just haven't really developed, uh, you know, the, uh, the abilities that we all naturally have uh, through the breath. Wow. It's, I mean, it's incredible. I, I mean, I think most people feel like they're experts at breathing. They're like, I've been breathing since the moment <laughs> I was born, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, like anything else, you know, breathing is an art. We all can walk. We all can dance. We all can all cook. We can all sing. But, you know, some people raise those things to the level of an art. And uh, not everybody is born with the talent for singing or dancing, but all of us are born 
with a breathing talent. And, and if we focus on it and develop it and improve it, every area of our lives improves also. Can you talk to us what are, like, what are the main principles of these two different types of breathing? Like, what, how does somebody know that they're breathing for awareness? Well, how- um, you know, if you look at all of the different breathing schools and yoga, ancient practices, modern, all the schools and styles of breath, there's certain fundamentals that just keep showing up and showing up. And so once we identify those, and there are three of them, one is awareness. So I started this kind of mission, this journey back in 1970, when I was studying as an x-ray technician. And the question was, if people reach the top 1%, whether it's in medicine or science or finance or art or martial arts or whatever it is, do they breathe better than the average person? Are they more aware of their breath than the average person? Do they practice breathing that the average person doesn't? Do they turn to their breath when when it wouldn't occur to the average person to do it? And the answer is yes. Look at every Olympic athlete just before they dive, before they kick, before they throw, (laughs) before they shoot. What do they do? They take a breath because that's how we come into focus, how we come into our body, how we, uh, you know, zero in on an intention. And it's how we generate energy. It's how we relax and it's how we show up in the best possible state. Maybe you can talk, go even a little deeper than that. Like, what does it mean to breathe in and connect to the body? Well, um, I, I write about Barnett Bain in my book. He's a pretty well-known Hollywood producer, director, filmmaker, and he does workshops on creativity in California. And um, he's got a book called The Book of Doing and Being, and uh, the subtitle is about awakening creative energy. And he points out a really interesting thing. that If you test a three-year-old child, uh, the 98% of three-year-old children test as creative geniuses, literally creative geniuses, 98% of three-year-old children. If you test a college-age student, give them that same test, 2% test as creative geniuses. And so what he's identified is that, you know, what happens to our creativity? And his answer, and the answer that all of us who are doing breath work have come to discover, is this feelings of overwhelming aliveness, distressing feelings of aliveness. You know, it's like if you take a puppy away from its mother, you hear from both of them. <laughs> and as the mother is upset and angry, and the baby puppy is overwhelmed with distressing feelings. Now, when that happens to a human baby, how do we escape those feelings, those overwhelming, distressing feelings? We leave our body, we shuttle out, we leave town, we abandon ship. And when the cognitive centers come online, we go, we add storytelling to that. So now when the average person has a feeling in their body, it triggers their mind. They start to think about the feeling. They have a virtual Uh, contact with the experience rather than an actual one. They have a conceptual experience rather than a felt one. And creativity is a feeling thing. It's not born in the head. And so the only way to reconnect to our creativity is to reconnect to our body. The only way to reconnect with our body is to breathe. But when we breathe fully and freely for an extended point of time, we bring up all the feelings and sensations that frightened us out of our body originally. And so breathing is a way for us to connect with a a real essential creative energy, healing energy, uh, literally a, a, a kind of a dynamic life force. And so at the deepest level, that's what breath does. It connects us to our source, uh, the source of life in us. It's not a cliche to say that breath is life. Inspiration, expiration, respiration, the root of that word is spirit. And so it's right under our nose, how to connect with our spirit. And it's through breathing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of what you're saying I definitely resonate with. I think, especially for men, uh, at least a lot of men I know have a tendency to to move into their brain, move into their mind, and <laughs> and disconnect from their emotions. And I was that man for a long time, and it took uh, it definitely took some work to get to the point where I could connect to my my emotions again and actually be aware of what I feel in my body. And so I I hear that. Yeah, well, emotions are so powerful. I mean, emotions are powerful energy, and they can be frightening to the psyche. And um, and so the breath helps us to manage powerful emotions, helps us to see when you channel emotional energy through the breath, you take the stress off the body. You relieve the body of memories. You know, there are subconscious memories stored in the cells of the body. 
and when you access those with the breath and you release them, you free yourself from past traumas, suppressed emotions, uh, incomplete communications. And so the breath is this very powerful therapeutic tool for reconnecting, you know, awakening heart intelligence or emotional intelligence and reawakening body intelligence, uh, intuition. Uh, you know, we have a brain in our gut. We have a brain in our heart. There are neurons there. And when you breathe, you're getting, you're not totally in your head anymore and you're waking up body wisdom, heart wisdom. And then you can show up 100% because you're, you're tuned into all your brains and the breath is what connects us uh, to our body and to our heart. For some people who are listening to this who aren't familiar with the, some of these, these terms, when you talk about showing up, what do you mean? And when you talk about intention, what do you mean? Well, for example, I, uh, I coach Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins is uh, probably my favorite, uh, most famous <laughs> client. And so here's a high performer, you know, outrageously successful, making an extraordinary difference in the world. And I love supporting people like that. And um, so, for example, one of our first meetings, um, I noticed that he was tensing his jaw while he was breathing in powerful ways. And, and when you combine relaxation and breathing, you unlock a lot of really juicy potential. See, because most people breathe deeply, they don't relax. And when they relax, they don't breathe. And it's like they give up one for the other. But if you can manage powerful breathing and complete relaxation, you, you unlock a certain energy, you, you access certain abilities. Um, and so Tony's a really good example of that. Somebody that, you know, you just do a little tweak on his breathing habits and breathing patterns and breathing reactions, and he parlays that into extraordinarily high performance. So, you know, imagine a Navy SEAL or Special Forces who's dropped out of a helicopter and, uh, you know, in the middle of who knows where, and all of the intelligence is wrong and he's all alone and all of a sudden you see 500 enemy warriors coming your way. What do you do? Call your mother, curl up in a ball and cry, reach for your gun, get on the radio? No, you get control of your breathing. Because when you get control of your breathing, you get control of your focus, your mind, your energy, your physiology. You get control of your consciousness, your awareness. And to show up, by showing up, we mean being able to perform it at a peak, at whatever our maximum potential is people who are interested in what is my maximum potential then you use the breath and you help access that maximum potential you talked about relaxing the body and breathing how, how does somebody know their body is relaxed yeah well you know that's the thing people carry tension and because they carry it all the time it, they stop feeling it. <laughs> and so that's also why the first step in breath mastery, the first step in breath work is awareness, becoming conscious of the feelings and sensations in your body. And you could do progressive relaxation where you tighten muscles and then relax them, tighten them and then relax them. And that teaches your body the difference between tension and relaxation. Uh, because it's, I mean, it really is true that people are carrying not just tension, but pain. And they're carrying fear in their body. And because it's there all the time, they don't feel it. And so when you use the breath, whatever tensions you have get heightened and you can't, cannot help but feel them. And then you can work on them and let them go and release them. Are there any other approaches to this? Or is that the primary one, progressive relaxation? Um, well, the, the, the combination of relaxation and powerful breathing is the real key. Like I write about Mark Devine in my book. He's a Navy SEAL commander. We had him on the podcast. Teaches, He's a really great guy. Isn't he great? What a beautiful guy. Now, there's a good example of a high-quality human. The guy is brilliant, got a great head on his shoulders. He's got real guts, you know, real cojones, as we would say. And he's got a huge heart. There's those three centers of consciousness functioning in a single person, and it makes them stand out. It helps them to excel. I remember doing the podcast afterwards and telling the producer, like, that's a man I would follow. Oh, geez, and, yeah. and that was my initial instinct. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's the real deal. He's a good example. And so anyway, I was talking, did he talk to you about box breathing? I don't think he did, no. Okay, so that's one of the things he's been teaching for years. Box breathing is basically it's shaped like a square. So you inhale, pause, exhale, pause. 
Inhale, pause, exhale, pause. So it's a square shape, the box shape breathing. And for example, special forces, military personnel, corporate executives, anybody who's preparing for high stress encounter, experience, meeting, presentation, whatever, you practice box breathing. Because when you equalize, and he uses, he starts everybody with a four, 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 four. So inhale four seconds, hold four seconds, exhale four seconds, hold four seconds, and keep doing that. And when you do that, you balance the nervous system. Uh, the inhale activates the sympathetic branch of the nervous system, and the exhale activates the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system. And so when you equalize the inhale and the exhale, you balance your nervous system. You're both energized and calm. And when you practice the breath holds, that gives one a, a felt sense of being in control. So it combats anxiety and that feeling you know, of, of, of losing control. You're actually in control. And there's a good example of now when you hit your, the ground, when you walk out on stage, when, when you've got to do what you've got to do, even if it's an uncomfortable conversation with a, with a parent or a spouse, then you can show up in a better state. Can you talk a little bit about these two different uh, nervous systems or parts of the nervous system so people have context? Ah, uh, yeah. So, you know, we have the regular nervous system, which, uh, you know, we I can flex my muscles, I can, you know, motor nerves and all that kind of stuff. The autonomic nervous system controls things like heart rate, body temperature, uh, you know, pH balance and, and all that supposedly, you know, un, unconscious uh, autom autonomic functions of the body. And that's controlled basically through the vagus nerve. The big insight around breathing and emotional state and mental state management and physiological control has come just in the last 20 years with this polyvagal theory. I think Dr. Porges was the one who uh, started the original studies. And the, it's about the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is the biggest nerve in the body. And the word vagus is based on vagabond. It's the same root word because it wanders everywhere in the body. Now, for most time, medical people thought that, ah, that's how the brain controls all the organs and everything in the body. But about 20 years ago, they discovered that 80% of the signals of the information doesn't go from the brain to the body through the vagus nerve. It goes from the body to the brain. And when you breathe diaphragmatically, when you breathe consciously, you activate the vagus nerve, which means you can choose the signals that you send to your brain. So you can hack into your immune system. You can hack into your nervous system. And uh, you can hack into the amygdala. You know, it's pretty exciting. We get a handle on these so-called involuntary, uh, you know, processes uh, in the body. Can you explain what diaphragmatic breathing is for the listeners? Well, diaphragm is the biggest muscle in the body, by far the biggest muscle, and it forms the floor of the chest and the, and the ceiling of the abdomen. And um, when the diaphragm contracts, it, uh, it, it creates space in the lungs. As the diaphragm contracts, it flattens, and it creates kind of a vacuum in the lung. You're playing with the space size of the lungs, and that's how the air is sucked in. When the diaphragm contracts, an inhale occurs. When the diaphragm relaxes, an exhale occurs. So the diaphragm is the primary breathing muscle, and it works in cooperation with the muscles between the ribs. And so when you practice breathing, diaphragmatic breathing is considered, you know, basic skill. Everybody should learn diaphragmatic breathing because it's where the lower portion of the lungs, you're using them, that's where the greatest blood and gas transfer takes place. People who are anxious or untrained, they breathe high up in their chest where there are very small breathing spaces, very little opportunity for gas exchange. So diaphragmatic breathing is a far healthier way to breathe in general. Low and slow breathing, for example, that means breathing into your belly and breathing slowly. That's anti-stress. That's anti-anxiety breathing. So diaphragmatic breathing, you can anybody can Google it and you'll find lots of different people's teachings on it but basically it's how babies breathe it's you know it's belly breathing rather than upper chest breathing and and many people have kind of trained their way out of this natural breathing pattern because of anxiety or fears or excitement or just bad breathing habits uh, they're they're breathing high and shallow in their chest instead of low 
uh, into the base of the lungs, which would be produced by diaphragmatic breathing. That leads into my next question, Dan. How how does somebody know that they're they're not breathing correctly? Well, if you put one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly over your belly button, and you just monitor your breathing, don't breathe in any special way. Just put one hand on your on your chest, one hand on the, over your belly button, and see what moves. And if the belly's moving and the chest is very light and practically still, then you can tell you're breathing diaphragmatically. And then when you start to turn the breath up, start to breathe more quickly, take bigger breaths, and then track the sensations of the breath. And a full yogic breath should be like filling a glass with water. It fills from the bottom up. So the first part of the breath goes to the lower breathing space uh, between, say, the belly button and the perineum. And then the middle breathing space is next to fill, which is from the belly button to the nipple line. And then the upper breathing space from the nipple line to the collarbones. So we actually have three breathing spaces. And you should be able to feel those breathing spaces. You should be able to breathe low in your belly or high in your chest. Breathe the low, the, the lower portion, then the middle, then the upper, or breathe in all three at the same time. Isolate the upper space, isolate the lower space, and just get comfortable. And you can feel, and people practice, and they go, ah, oh, yeah, you get the breath up high into the collarbones, or, oh, yeah, you can send the breath very low, even down into the perineum, it feels like. I know that the first time I heard this, it was confusing for me, because I thought, well, my lungs just like, air comes in through my mouth or nose, and then my lungs <laughs> my lungs fill up, and they come back out, right? Like the air comes back out. For somebody who is not familiar with the physiology at all, like, why is it that we end up breathing, like what's happening in the body that we end up breathing in our, our belly or in our, our chest? Well, um, when you have any kind of, it, it, look at a powerful, or look at physical pain, for example. What, what happens to the breathing when someone's in pain? It's like this. <laughs> so the pain locks the breathing up. And the same thing with fear. It's like, <gasps> you know, the breath gets locked up by pain and fear. And so when we have, and say you have an emotion like sadness, when you want to start to cry, your throat closes up. <laughs> and so it's like the body's trying to protect itself from these powerful feelings. And we unconsciously learn to kind of turn the energy down <laughs> in a way. And every time you're afraid, you hold your breath. Every time you're in pain, your breathing freezes, and then you might recover 90%, but a little bit of that residue, that shock is left over, and so a little inhibition is left on the breathing mechanism. And the other thing is that breathing is a behavior, and like all behaviors, we just we model behaviors, we learn them consciously, unconsciously, in a shocking, traumatic moment, a pattern can be installed, and then that becomes a habit, and so... Uh, the suppressing of emotions. How do you stop yourself from crying? You hold your breath. How do you stop yourself from laughing? You hold your breath. How do you keep your words to yourself? You shut your mouth and you hold your breath. And so that breath holding is kind of a survival response. And these days, everything wakes up our survival response. Open the newspaper and your, and your fight or flight mechanism gets triggered. Listen, watch TV. You know, uh, someone scratches your car. It's like we're, we're so hyper uh, aroused by, you know, threats, perceived threats, imagined threats, uh, that, that, that our breathing is being affected by these, these emotions. And it's locking the breathing up, and that can become just a, a, a standing pattern through life that the breath is inhibited. A few things came up for me as you were saying that, um, just experiences that I had. One was, well, first... Like I, I used to be incredibly disconnected from my body and as a consequence <laughs> of just acquired trauma and I was suppressing, I was compartmentalizing, I was withdrawing, I wasn't releasing and I had no clue how to do it. And I think that's, that's one of the, that's really common for a lot of guys and a lot of guys who are, who are listening to this. And yeah. it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. And eventually, like, I mean, I found some tools that, that allowed me to do that. And I remember um, being with somebody who sort of was guiding me through this process. And I was talking about something and he asked me, where do you feel that in your body? And, and I told him, and he goes, just breathe in, breathe into it and sit with the emotion. And I started crying. Of and, course. and then after about uh, 10 minutes, I, or five minutes, 
I, he goes, where do you feel it now? And I just scanned my body, had my eyes closed. And I said, uh, I feel it along my spine up into my neck. He goes, breathe into that. And then I started bawling. And, and, uh, that was sort of the, the first, first time and I had been connected to my, my emotion through my breath in a very long time. And a second thing that came up to me, or came up for me was I tried to go through this same process mostly on my own. Um, I was with a, a friend of mine and we we're in this men's group and he's trying to, he's like, I was talking about what was going on. He goes, well, if you need a, a couple minutes or you need some time to, to try to, um, release that, like, you can do it. I'm, I'm here for you. And so I tried to go into my body and I couldn't cry. I wanted to, I'd been wanting to cry for days, but I ended up, I was choking on my, like I was, uh, I, I got to the point where I was like choking on my breath and, uh, I couldn't quite get past that. It still was a, a form of a release, but I didn't know what was happening. So when you, you made that sound, uh, as you sort of walked, uh, you were trying to describe it. I'm like, Oh, I feel that <laughs> I, I, I went back to that exact moment and, and I could feel yeah. those emotions. Um, yeah, because, uh, you know, breath holding is a way to insulate ourselves, protect ourselves from feelings. And as soon as you begin to flow the breath, feelings start to flow. You, we access feelings in our body through the breath. We access emotions through the breath. And the breath is the link between the body and the mind. It's the link between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. It's how we literally embody our spirit is through breathing. There's a, I remember I, I did this interview with this guy who talked about the man rules and, and uh, he described them as like sort of this, these traps with masculinity and things like men, we don't cry men. Uh, we suppress our emotions. <laughs> men, so, so there's guys, some guys listen to this and, Hopefully they're still on the podcast <laughs> and, and, and they're just like, this shit sounds far out to me. But what, what is the benefit of being connected to your emotions? Because I think a lot of people are just like, oh, these emotions just like are flowing around and I just need to put them in a box. But when they're coming up for a reason, they've evolved, we've evolved to have them. What are they? Well, I, you know, in the martial arts, for example, in karate or in, in Aikido, it's probably more gracefully described is a principle called one pointedness. So if you're going to break a brick, your mind and your body have to be in the same place at the same time. <laughs> if your mind is off thinking about something while your fist hits that brick, your hand's going to break and not the brick. But when you bring mind and body together, a certain force awakens, prana, chi, ki, uh, you know, a, a real biological force is, 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 accessed or generated or triggered when we bring mind body together zen practices and so on well when you bring together body mind and breath an even greater energy again a greater uh, something is awakened and so it's a matter of uh, what's our potential we you know we we all know that we have abilities or possibilities or potentials that for some reason we're haven't discovered or we haven't accessed, we haven't learned how to develop. And now and then we see these amazing, great people and we put them up on a pedestal and they go, okay, well, this is someone really special, but me, I'm just a regular person. Hey, regular people have the same connection <laughs> to life and divine energy and power and potential as everybody else. It's just some people manage to stumble over it or they train themselves to develop it. Dating coach Chris Thoney here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Christmas Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. 
And who knows, attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. I want to go into this training in a second, but one thing that I don't think we've fully fully covered is you talked a little bit about how our body will hold um, certain things, right? And like a stress, I mean, I don't know if you specifically said these terms, but in my experience, stress, trauma, um, fear, emotions. For me, I noticed that when I start talking about some of the stuff or somebody says something around me um, that triggers me or activates me, but like it starts as a thought. And if I pay attention to that thought and I'm paying attention to my breathing, I can connect to the emotion in my body and begin to feel it and explore it. And so, so I have some experience with like this trauma getting stuck in my body. Does that sound like I'm on the right track or is there things that I'm missing? How, how would somebody who doesn't know how to do this, like recognize that they're suppressing these traumas and anxieties and, and fears and, and connect with them so they can release them? Well, because that's exactly way, the way our nature works. You know, the subconscious mind is like a high security prison. It's where we lock up all the scary, dangerous feelings and memories and we try to escape them, push them down into our subconscious and the breath activates this stuff. It brings it up to the surface in a way. Um, and starting from, you know, from real, when you're really very small, when if, if, a, if a force is about to come down upon you or rise up from within you and we're afraid of it, we tense up, we, we, we tense up and we hold our breath. And that breath holding is kind of a, a strategy to protect ourselves from some powerful feeling, either internal or some powerful force externally. And so it's just something that we naturally or just automatically do. You know, if you uh, you have a shocking experience, you know, a little child who's never seen a dog, you know, an innocent little child never knows nothing about dogs, and they see a dog for the first time and they go up to it and the dog attacks them. Well, the next dog they see, it could be the gentlest, most beautiful dog in the world, but that's not going to matter. The memory of that event is now stored, and they're going to have a physical response to that next dog, and it's not going to be appropriate. It's not going to be related to the reality in the moment. It's going to be a projection from the past based on that memory that's stored, literally stored in our body, because when that, the next time the child sees, you can imagine what's going to happen inside that child's body. Breathing goes and and we get and we collect shocks and traumas like that over a lifetime and it's all unconsciously uh, suppressed and stored some you know in the unconscious and then along comes powerful breathing continuous breathing conscious breathing and all these negative painful things that are stored in the system get liberated we free ourselves people after I, i'll be willing to bet after that that episode you had of feeling into feelings and then crying and using the breath, you felt really lighter, clearer, more present after you released those emotions and those those feelings. That is a major understatement. I felt exhausted, but I, I became hyper-conscious and yeah. incredibly present. And uh, I could feel what other people were were giving off. I remember I was at a dinner a couple, maybe it was a week or two later, and I had said something, and there was a woman who I felt a shift in her physiology or um, saw, felt, and then she made a comment, and then she uh, looked out the window, and then she, she left, and this is at the end of the dinner. And so she had sent, followed up about a, a, a book, and she's a psychologist or therapist or something, and she had followed up with me about a book, and I said, hey, can we jump on the phone? I feel like I said something that triggered or activated you, and I just want to talk through it because I want to know your perspective. And, and so I said, uh, it's a little late tonight, but give me a call tomorrow. She called me, and and we talked, and she goes, I can't believe that you picked all of that up. And um, <laughs> I wouldn't have before. I, well, I may have, but as soon as I felt it, I would have shut down. Exactly. Yeah, breathing makes us more sensitive. The relaxation and breathing just loosens and softens up the body. So we get our antenna work better. Our intuition flows more easily. And it literally, we, we are already sensitive, but maybe we're so sensitive, we're overwhelmed and we shut down to protect ourselves from, you know, how would it be if we could feel everything everybody was feeling? It'd be hard to hold yourself together. And so maybe as a survival 
uh, strategy, we literally shut down certain psychic or sensitive abilities, intuitive abilities, just to kind of, so we wouldn't have to deal with it. So yeah, breathing, and we're all connected. It's not just a pretty spiritual idea. We're all one, we're all connected. We're literally connected. Everybody's sucking off the same bubble of air on this planet, and we can't hide from each other. And the breath that's in you now was in somebody else a little while ago, and it was in the bird flying in the sky yesterday, and that same breath is gonna be in a dog walking down the street tomorrow. The breath literally connects us. It's not just a pretty spiritual idea. And the energy in the breath, is where the real magic and the juice is when you start talking about the prana, the chi, the life force, the spirit. And so when you learn to breathe, you learn to breathe not just air, but you learn to breathe energy. And as you start to get very sensitive and conscious of the energy and the breath, you're getting sensitive and conscious of many other things. In fact, the more conscious we become of our breath, the more conscious we become of everything. The more sensitive we are to subtle changes in our breathing, the more sensitive we are to everything. So it's a real key for unlocking exactly what you described, like this, uh, an ability to connect with people and to sense, and it keeps us safer. A couple of things come up. One is I've been a coach for a long time, and I think one of the reasons I was able to coach was I had this sensitivity to what was around me. And at one point, I nurtured that to the point where I got pretty hypersensitive. And I remember going on the subway in New York City where there's, there's a lot of stimulus. I remember looking around and feeling people's emotions and having it be so intense that I began to contract and I stopped. So I stopped holding eye contact with people for a, a, a prolonged period of my life because I basically shut down. I was scared to feel those emotions. So my question is, if somebody is beginning to open up and I mean, that was the first time I'd ever had that sort of intense um, connection. So maybe I just crossed a threshold where I was a little bit more open than I'd been in the past. So how does somebody deal with that if they end up in that situation? You, what you did was you reawakened an, an original natural sensitivity that all children have. And maybe that's just it's kind of overwhelming. So And you also use the term hypersensitive. And I would I would dig a little deeper in there because what I find that when people say they're very sensitive, what I find is they, they confuse sensitivity with hyperreactivity. So the more sensitive we become, the more non-reactive we need to be. Otherwise, we're going to be getting pushed and pulled and bounced around by everything. And so breath work teaches people non-reaction. We use the breathing to bring up feelings, and then you practice relaxing into them, breathing through them, and not being pushed and pulled by them, just opening to them and relaxing into them. And so that's a really, I think, a real important distinction that people are confused when they think they're sensitive and they're really hyper-reactive. And it's not possible to be really sensitive until your body is relaxed and your mind is quiet, and then you become genuinely sensitive. But as long as your mind is reacting and your body is reacting to everything, you know, it's like juggling plates you just can't keep them all spinning and so you just you check out you you give up you shut down I, that's a great choice of word because that's essentially what happened i just i i reacted to uh this emotion because it was i felt it felt so much more intense than and it's not you reacting it's your body mind system reacting it's like we're a victim of our own body mind system like a machine that just gets activated it gets upset it gets alerted it gets turned on it gets uh, frightened you know we have an ancient lizard brain and this uh, you know crocodile brain and it's really interesting that that part of our brain is I mean it's the same as a lizard or a frog it's very very simple ancient primal brain and that's the part of our brain that monitors our breathing and it's also the part of our brain that regulates the breathing and so when you can reverse engineer you can back your way into your nervous system through the breath and you can breathe in certain ways that trick your nervous system. So if you just practice a sigh of relief, for example, I mean, that's one of the first techniques that we teach because it's not even a technique. It's a natural response. Every time you're in pain and you get out of pain into a state of no pain, what happens is <sighs> a sigh of relief. What happens when you're afraid or in a panic and the fear leaves you? The same thing. <sighs> 
a sigh of relief. And so if every time our system moves from a state of pain or fear to a state of no pain or no fear, this sigh of relief expresses itself. You don't think about it. You don't make it happen. You don't do it. It just happens. And so what if you just stop practicing that? You give yourself delicious, exaggerated sighs of relief on purpose just to begin to flow some of these stuck feelings of pain and fear out of your system. You use a sigh of relief. So that's a very easy technique that anybody can do just because it's a natural response. We already know how to do it. The idea is to do it consciously. So when you inhale, you take a, an inhale that's twice as big as normal. And then you let go completely. And when you let the breath go, you literally and deliberately relax. So you're just doing something very consciously that happens uh, by itself very often. In fact, this uh, university, Midwestern University, did this study on the sigh. And uh, what they found is that we, the average person sighs about every five minutes or 12 times an hour. And when they define a sigh, we always think of it in terms of the exhale, but the medical scientific people need to be able to measure. And so a sigh in their terms is defined by the inhale. And it's an inhale that's twice as big as normal. And that twice as big as normal breath creates an extra stretch in the breathing system, the chest muscles. And that extra stretch produces a deeper release, which is what we call a sigh of relief. So if you deliberately take an inhale that's twice as big as normal, and then let go on purpose, and when you let go of the breath, let go of your jaw, let go of your neck, let go of your shoulders, let go of whatever thought was just bothering you, let go of whatever grudge you're holding on to, let go of whatever. Uh, and the power of that sigh of release can be engaged to let go of a lot of tension on lots of levels. Now, the medical people understand it, that we need to hyperinflate our lungs regularly. Otherwise, we're going to lose our respiratory capacity. So nature makes us take a sigh about every five minutes. And I bet you you've noticed it, and just about everybody has noticed it. From time to time, a big breath just comes to you out of nowhere. You didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> it just came to you by itself. But you couldn't help but notice that it was a, a bigger breath than usual. But I, I would wager that very few people catch that every five minutes or as often as it occurs because our awareness, we haven't been trained to be aware of our breathing. What, what are some other techniques that, that people are listening to this could use to, to yawning. deal with stuff? Yawning? Yawning. You know, neuroscientists cannot find any single activity that lights up more parts of the brain that has more neurological benefits than a simple yawn. And, but do an exaggerated yawn. And everybody needs to be able to trigger and activate a yawn. Don't wait until it happens by itself. Invite it from time to time. You wiggle your jaw, do something with your throat as you're inhaling. And, and activate a yawn. Um, I'll tell you, the research on yawning is just beginning and it's about time. Uh, but unfortunately, you know who's doing research on breathing? Professional sports teams and military. And they're not going to share what they're learning because they don't want to give an advantage to the competition of the enemy. And so we all need to be doing our own research. And I'll tell you, if you start with sighing and yawning, just do it deliberately. Just try it for a day. Put a little timer and, you know, maybe about 10 times an hour just take a couple of minutes and give yourself a couple of big sighs of relief, make yourself yawn a couple of times, and then go back to what you're doing. And if at the end of that day, you don't feel more energy, if you don't notice that you're clearer, you're more balanced, you'll sleep better, uh, I'd be shocked because it's really hard to do a practice like that consistently throughout the day without triggering unarguable, obvious benefits and changes physiologically, emotionally psychologically. When it comes by itself, double down on nature and do it again. And, uh, uh, and you know, you play with the parameters of breath, how fast, how slow, you know, a healthy person should be able to breathe quite quickly, you know, <laughs> like happy dog. For as long as you want, and it should be smooth and easy. 
a healthy person should be able to be very slowly, three breaths a minute, two breaths a minute, four breaths a minute, one breath every two minutes. You know, what is your limit? So you play with speed of breathing. You play with intensity of breathing. You practice breathing through the nose, in the nose, out the mouth, in the mouth, out the nose, in and out the nose, in and out the mouth. And you just play with your breath. And in that process of playing with your breath, you are going to stumble over some benefits and you're going to access some abilities and you're going to get hooked on breathing. <laughs> when someone breathes fast, I mean, I, I usually associate breathing fast with like anxiety or fear. And when I think about slow calmness, like what, what types of things are going to come up when someone tries these different breathing approaches? Yeah, well, you're... Um, Low and slow breathing is anti-anxiety breathing. It's just, if you start to feel anxious, you just slow your breathing down, deliberately relax, maybe start counting. You know, a very beautiful practice is five-second inhale, five-second exhale. Five-second inhale, five-second exhale. That's a breathing pattern of six breaths per minute. And that's right dead center of the what's called the therapeutic zone, which is between four and eight breaths a minute. And when you can breathe at six breaths a minute, five seconds in, five seconds out, five seconds in, five seconds out, for five minutes, you'll lower cortisol levels by 20%. You'll lower heart, uh, blood pressure, you'll slow heart rate down, uh, you'll produce all kinds of measurable physiological benefits. And one of the coolest connections is in all of the science around heart rate variability, HRV. Are you familiar with that? No. Uh, so, wow, wow, man, do some homework. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go to heartmath.com, that's one, or Google David O'Hare, uh, Coherent Breathing 365, or you can find a book called The Healing Power of Breath by uh, Dr. Richard Brown and Pat Gerbard. They're psychiatrists in New York City. Um the healing power of breath, they all preach and practice what's called coherent breathing because there's so much uh, unarguable science around it, so many studies uh, that it's unarguable. And what coherent breathing is, it's related to this phenomenon uh, that when we inhale, our heart speeds up. And when we exhale, the heart slows down. This is just a biological phenomenon. Every human's got it. And the average, and that's called heart rate variability. So, you know, and the old idea or the kind of uh, general idea people have is, oh, a nice steady heartbeat, that means that you're really healthy. But the opposite is true. What you want is a chaotic heartbeat. And in fact, in, if you measure heartbeats, there are, the time between each heartbeat is never the same. It's always varying. So when you measure heartbeats in milliseconds, you discover that there is no such thing as a steady rhythm. Every, the heart is constantly speeding up and slowing down. And the greater your heart rate variability, that is the greater it speeds up on the inhale and the more it slows down on the exhale, that's a sign of relaxation. That's a sign of being in a peak uh, physiological state. Because when you're under stress, that heart rate variability practically disappears. And so through what's called coherent breathing, uh, five seconds in, five seconds out, you can raise your heart rate variability through the roof. And it's for peak performers, for athletes, for anybody who needs to, as I say, show up in their best state. Coherent breathing is a godsend. And uh, and any everybody can benefit from it. Uh, it's just... Uh, and it's so simple, five seconds in, five seconds out, five seconds in, five seconds out. And you are regulating the pH in your body because uh, carbon dioxide is an acid. So when you breathe, you're playing with the acid-base balance. And you might be unconsciously sending your system out of balance without realizing it because of breathing habits and patterns. In fact, most people can be breathing in a way that makes their body think that it's in danger. <laughs> you can have breathing habits and patterns that actually create stress, that actually give you tendencies towards anxiety. So it's pretty interesting stuff. How would somebody know if that's the way they're breathing? Well, you can, you can monitor with your own hands. You can count how many breaths a minute do you take. Uh, and the average person is maybe 16 to 20 breaths a minute. 
and you want to just start to train yourself to slow that down so that you're breathing at at least 12 breaths a minute or 10 or get down to eight breaths a minute. And if you can sustain uh, a, a breathing rate of between four to eight minutes for five or 10 minutes, you're going to produce ex- obvious felt changes in your state. So you won't need any proof or evidence. You'll you'll have a, a direct experience of how regulating your breathing can regulate your chemistry, regulate your emotions, your mind, and everything else. You talked about in the beginning about awareness breathing and consciousness breathing. I feel like we probably delved into these a little bit already, but can you connect um, like some of the, the actual physiological practices with each? Yeah. So breath awareness, you see, it's, there's not a, it's not a verb in there. Conscious breathing is the verb. So breath awareness is you don't breathe in any certain way. You just allow the breath to come and go by itself. And you do what the Buddha did when he became the Buddha. You simply observe your breathing. You allow the breath to come and go and you watch it and you feel it and you listen to it. It's a meditative practice. It's the practice of mindfulness. And so that breath awareness means you don't have to breathe in any special way. In fact, you're not doing the breathing. You're letting your body breathe itself and you are the witness. You're the observer. That's mindfulness training. That's meditation training. It's concentration training. And it has all kinds of, I mean, look at the benefits of meditation and look at the practical benefits of the ability to focus and concentrate. And so when you practice meditating on your breath, you're getting better at controlling this ability we have to focus and concentrate. Now, conscious breathing is where you breathe in a certain way. You give the breath a certain pattern. You control the breathing. You breathe with a certain intention. So those are the two aspects of breath work, breath awareness and conscious breathing. They're like the yin and yang aspects, right? Active and passive aspects. And so in an actual training, we go back and forth. And the autopilot, that's breath awareness. You're just letting the body breathe itself, and you're just the witness, the detached observer. Conscious breathing is now you get a handle on your breathing, and you're breathing with a certain intention for a certain purpose. Um, if you're a runner, if you're an athlete, you want to you want to keep up because it's easier to keep up than catch up. And uh, so you want to make sure that you're breathing in rhythm to movements, that you're you're keeping up enough breathing to handle the metabolic demand. A lot of people experience fatigue because they're just not breathing enough while they're working or exercising. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, this is it's so wonderful to have you talk about this stuff in such incredible detail. You you talked earlier on the podcast about, if I'm saying it right, prana, chi, life force. Um, can you talk to us about how breath is connected to these things? And when you were using them, like, what did you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, you know, prana is this term in, in Hindu and yoga for the life force energy. Chi is it's referred to in China. Ki is referred to in Japan. And all the ancient cultures and all the ancient traditions recognize that there's something. They even have the same word for breath, for life, um, for air, because there's a connection there. And in in Latin, it's spiritus, the animating principle of life. It's no coincidence that the word, the term respiration has that as a, as the root. So uh, these Eastern practices and martial arts and Taoist practices and yogic practices, they all center on the breathing. Every ancient spiritual tradition touches on the breath at some point, And every martial art, every healing art, touches on the breath at some place. So it's, it's, you know, it's an ancient secret. <laughs> and, uh, and now because of science and technology, you know, we can all kind of accelerate what the yogis did. You know, I'm involved in, uh, you know, a lot of stuff around monitoring breathing and correlating, you know, EEG and EMGs and uh, EKGs and all that stuff and body temperature. And when you play with your breath, you can get real time feedback so you can deliberately take over certain um, things in the body that we used to think, well, we're just a victim of it. And so the ancient yogis were kind of, they were their own scientists. They were exploring human potential and uh, they, they discovered some things and it's been passed on and passed on. Now, a lot of these breathing secrets, they're kind of shrouded in various rituals or religious beliefs. But when you extract the actual breathing practices, 
you find that they're actually quite scientific. I, I want to ask you about how breathing shows up in, or how breath work can affect love and relationships. Oh, yeah. Well, every emotional state has a corresponding breathing pattern. I mean, the way we breathe when we're peaceful and calm is different than the way we breathe when we're angry and upset. Everybody knows that and everybody can observe it. But there are subtleties to that. So that means, so if every emotional state has a corresponding breathing pattern, every psychological state has an associated breathing pattern. Every physiological or chemical state has a correlating breathing pattern. And when you identify those breathing patterns and that the states that they associated with, then you can, it's a two way street. If you change your breathing pattern, you change your state. And so if you breathe consciously, it was a great study just done recently at the University of Virginia Medical Center was studying epileptic patients who were about to have sur surgery. And uh, one of the tests that they were doing, cognitive testing, you know, they do the surgery for somebody who has severe seizure disorders and epileptic seizures and frequent or intense, and they snip something in the brain and it reduces the intensity. It's a, it's a kind of a last resort surgery. I hope it's a last resort surgery, but it's, it's a fairly well-known surgery. And so they were doing cognitive testing before, I assume because they want to do cognitive testing afterwards to make sure they didn't snip anything in the brain that they didn't mean to. And one of the tests was facial recognition. So what that is, a face appears on a screen and the person had to recognize, is it mad, sad, afraid, confused, angry, what is it? And, and when they were correlating the data, they discovered, they just observed that if the person happened to be breathing in through their nose, when that face flashed on the screen, their recognition was quicker and their recall was greater. And if they happened to be breathing in through their mouth, there was no extra benefit. And if they happened to be breathing out, exhaling at that time, there was no extra benefit. But in every single case where the person happened to be breathing in through their nose, when that image flashed, their recognition was quicker and their recall was greater. So they've associated oscillating, uh, you know, nasal oscillations with memory and recall and awareness. Very cool study, accidental discovery, and just in the last year. Um, so if somebody who is listening to this and they they want to uh, start a breathing practice, how would they do it? Well, if you go to breathmastery.com and just download the free videos, read the articles. I, pub I published a monthly article on breathing every month since uh, 1976. I haven't missed a single month. I published a breath and breathing report. And so the archives going back, you know, to the UMass in 1980 and before – are posted on my website on Breath Mastery. There are articles, there are transcripts, there are audio recordings and video lessons. It's all free. I mean, everybody deserves to, you know, deserves to breathe. And so I'm happy to share it all. Um, and there are so many books on breathing. Every year, more and more books are coming out. Breathing is the next major key skill set that high-performing individuals need to have and that everybody has. It's moving into schools. The International Breathwork Foundation uh, recently uh, completed a project for training teachers to bring breathing uh, into schools, uh, and it's designed for all age groups. And that's uh, moving around the world. It's an amazing movement. Uh, the UN is involved. And so, um, uh, hey, it's, it's time for people to awaken to what's right under their nose. <laughs> That's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, we're getting towards the end of our time. Anything that you really want to share with the audience or things that you want to leave them with? Yeah, just begin to breathe consciously. If someone says something that touches you, take a breath and take it in. If you're looking at a sunset, don't just look at it. Literally breathe it in. And stop from time to time during the day and just take a nice full inhale and an exaggerated sigh of relief. Or practice breathing rhythms. If you're walking, breathe in rhythm to your footsteps, maybe two steps in, uh, you know, two steps out, you know, inhale for two steps, exhale for two steps. 
Um, just start to play with your breath. Become more conscious of your breathing. How are you breathing when you're feeling wonderful? How are you breathing when you're enjoying music? How are you breathing when you're having an argument? And if you're having an argument, stop for a couple of minutes and take a couple of breaths and watch how it changes the future. <laughs> because we tend to say things and do things when we get hijacked by our emotions. And if we could wake up and take a few breaths, we could prevent a whole lot of things. <laughs> Dan, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. It's been a pleasure. And if you're listening to this, you want to learn more about Dan, you want to learn more about his book, you want to more, learn more about his workshops, everything that he does, we're going to post some links on the Craft Charisma website and within the description of this podcast so that you can find out about him more easily. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Hey, thank you so much. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.